Welcome to the Start Something Show. Join world-renowned experts, change agents, and everyday folks who have done the amazing. All here to help you start something incredible. Now it's time to step out, live your perfect day, and create a legacy with your host, Tina Dietz. Hey there, super starters. How the heck are you? It is Tina Dietz coming at ya from my home studio here in lovely Florida. That's where we currently are. Putting down a few roots after jet-setting for a couple of years back and forth and all over the universe to Costa Rica and beyond, mostly because of the kiddos. It's weird when you have children who actually want to go to school and learn stuff. I don't know how that happened. It's kind of interesting. But I'm proud of them. Very cool. My son has just started at a charter school that's focused on wellness, and they have gym twice a day. So he is coming home like totally charged up, totally energetic. My daughter, on the other hand, is at the local public school. She doesn't have the option of going to a charter school. And they only have gym once a week. Once a week. Interesting, because, you know, most research, if you look at performance and athletes and mental abilities and learning and all of that good stuff, well, guess what? Activity is highly correlated with mental performance. So it'll be interesting to see when it's going to happen with this school this year and uh, how these kids at this new charter school do with their performance with all of this activity on a daily basis. I know I'm pretty, I'm pretty excited about it, but uh, the good side effect of it is that my daughter, because she's a very competitive little bug, can't say as a blamer, uh, and my husband have started a daily couch to 5K program. She's nine. Well, he's older than nine. <laughs> and the two of them are getting up in the morning and getting out and running in the Florida dampness regardless of the dampness here, the humidity in hurricane season. But you know what? That's okay. It's good for them. So having a little father-daughter bonding time out of that competitive spark. Who knows? Who knows what these children will create with the universe in their hands? Oh, for my parents out there, I'm sure you can uh, relate to what I'm saying here. But anyway... A little bit of a side note there. Today on the show, I uh, we're going to be talking with Marla Tabaka. Marla Tabaka, really cool lady, really cool lady. We have one of those mutual admiration society relationships. Where I've been on her show. She's been on my show. She has a really cool show called The Million Dollar Mindset. And uh, just a f- excellent, excellent coach, uh, also a columnist for Inc. Magazine. And uh, we'll be digging into some cool business topics and uh, like we always do, like we always do here on the show. So that'll be a little bit later. Very, very cool. And today, who I want to tell you about is our Superstarter of the Month. Now, I met this fabulous artist online on Facebook, and we belong to the same group of just people who are, you know, building their business sustainably and just networking and all this good stuff. And she just really stood out for me uh, as a fine artist. I don't see too, too many fine artists in business groups that fascinated me. And I went and took a peek at her website, and it nearly blew my face off. I felt like I was looking at Rembrandt. I felt like I was looking at, you know, the the painters from hundreds of years ago who studied the human form. 
incredible. So I felt like I absolutely had to feature Sarah Marie Lacey as my super starter of the month. Now, Sarah Marie is up in Ottawa, Canada, and she has recently, much to my pleasure, uh, she's moving and starting an art studio. In addition to featuring her own artwork, it is absolutely amazing. This fire plug of a young woman, um, and I, I don't mean to sound that condescending, it, it's just that she's accomplished so much, she's so incredibly talented. She studied in France for a couple of years, bootstrapped her way into studying in France to learn this masterful technique, something most people in art uh, don't choose to do as a path because it is so intensive of a process to learn. And uh, her artwork is now uh, available for purchase. I would have one of these in my home in a heartbeat. The people that she does these studies of, this artwork, the sketches, the paintings, they're there with you. They're alive on the canvas. Even on the on her website, they just kind of jump right off the screen at you. So if you want to see an amazing artist doing some amazing art and teaching other people how to get their self-expression out in the world, check out her website. It is smlaceyart.com, like SM like Sarah Marie, Lacey, L-A-C-Y, art.com. She's a painter. She's a draftswoman. She's a fabulous human being. She really is an absolute delight. Go check out her art. She is our Superstarter of the Month. And if you'd like to nominate someone as a Superstarter of the Month, come on over to the startsomethingshow.com and click on the contact us page and just shoot us an email tell us who you know that's fabulous and why they should be featured on the show if we say nice things about them we'll probably say nice things about you too all right on to the interview well, Superstarters, today I am welcoming onto the show a really wonderful guest, and I've had the pleasure of being on her show twice now, so I'm excited to invite her over here to the Start Something show, and I'm talking about internationally known success coach and Inc. Magazine author Marla Tabaka. She works with entrepreneurs to help them realize significant personal and financial success. I love this woman's work. I feel like we're sisters from another mister. And her integrative approach to coaching combines mindset management and strategic planning, delivering results that have taken many of her entrepreneurial clients well into the millions. Prior to uh, doing what she does now, she was an Emmy award-winning producer at NBC, 21 years, you know, on television. And she worked as a creative consultant for large and mid-sized corporations. Uh, she established and sold a retail business and then founded a coaching practice back in 2003. She is all over magazines, you know, uh, Fox Business News, Huffington Post, uh, Nabo Start Brief, I mean, Entrepreneur.com. And of course, she's a regular column in Inc. Magazine. Marla, thank you for starting something with me today. Well, I'm such a fan, Tina. It's such an honor to be here. Thank you. <laughs> I love a mutual admiration society. <laughs> me too. Me too. I love your show. <laughs> and you're awesome. And I'm awesome. So awesome. It's so great. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody's awesome. <laughs> Isn't it wonderful? I know. It, it, gets, it does get to the sunshine and rainbows portion every so often. And it's so nice when it does. So nice what it does. So, well, let's dive right into it. I'm, I actually 
some things I don't know about you, I get to ask you today, which I'm excited about. And uh, so I'm curious, you know, when did you and, and kind of what was the trigger for you to change your life and start something? Hmm. So, gosh, you know what? I'm in my 50s, Tina, so I've had a lot of those, <laughs> a lot of those triggers and, and a lot of changes in my life. And I, I suppose the first really big one was leaving NBC. And that was such a huge move for me because when I was a child, and I'm talking a kid, my brother-in-law was the security guard, the night security guard and at NBC Studios here in Chicago. And so he would take me up there on the overnight shift and I'd sleep on the couch and I'd play, you know, in the rafters. And, and I knew that I was going to be retiring from NBC someday. I mean, I just knew I would work there and I knew I would retire there. Well, the first half came true. Absolutely. I, I worked there. I got a job, a part-time job, a temporary job at actually. And, uh, and I spent, you know, more than 20 years there. But something changed inside of me and the company. And I, I can't even explain it. It was just this intense, intuitive feeling that it was time to leave. And, and it took, I, it took so much courage. And uh, it took me to be very honest, two years, two years of working on my resume, two years of, of understanding that, I, I wasn't going to come up with the next best great plan <laughs> to get me out of there and that it was just going to happen and I, I just had to have some faith that that my next move would come along. And so that's what I did. And uh, at that point, I left without really anything in place and uh, some consulting gigs just fell in my lap. So that was like the next big change for me. And uh, I did that for a couple of years and uh, did not like it. I, I just didn't like it. Um, it was working with some some of the top uh, 500 corporations and, and the stress was just more than I wanted in my life. And that's to me not what life is about. And uh, so I decided, talk about sunshine and smiles, I decided to open a coffee house. Yay! <laughs> oh, that's funny. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. I, now, would you consider yourself an extrovert? Um, you know, it's, I'm somewhere in the middle because I really need my time alone. I really have to confess that I'm not great about getting out into public and meeting new people because I just don't, you know, unless it's a one-to-one, -one, I don't really enjoy that much. Um, I can be shy about going to large networking events, yet I'm very outgoing in the relationships that I do develop and developing those those relationships uh, from social media and and different places. So I, I, I've never put an, a label on myself. I don't know which way is stronger for me. <laughs> so, and I ask because, you know, coffee house, I think very social, you know, very. Yes. So the jump from consulting to coffee. Yeah. So so here's where it came from. It 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 came from me caring about community, both global and local community. And I live in a town in Naperville, Illinois, and at the time, the side of the city that I live on was very transient, meaning um, corporate executives were coming and going and coming and going. And the, the average length of residency was only two years, two to three years. And so there was no sense of home. And I came from uh, as as a youngster, I was raised in the city, and it wasn't until I was twenty 
46 that I moved to the suburbs. And, uh, and so I came from a, a tight community environment and we lacked that. And so I thought, you know what? I love coffee. I love community. I love the arts. How can I combine all those things and be happy? And so it came up as a coffee house. So that's where that came from. Mm-hmm. And then you sold that business eventually. Is that right? I did. So, um, here's the thing, you know, to keep a coffee house is the, the, type of coffee house I had, which was a very large volume. It had a drive-through. It had a private conference room. It oh, had, my goodness. You know, music and artists wow. and events. Yeah, it was huge. To keep that open is, is somewhere between eighteen dollars to $22,000 a month. A um, lot of coffee. Lots of coffee. And, uh, and so, you know, I bought it on September 1st, 2001. And then 10 days later, we had September 9-11, right? Oh, wow. And, yeah. And so a lot of things changed, and, and the change was long-lasting. And so I really did struggle in the business for quite a while and uh, finally was getting it up to speed. But by the time that happened, by the time I was really making money and, and, and turning a profit, I was just exhausted. I was exhausted. There's not enough coffee in the world. Yes. Oh, no, exactly. Right? Those midnight espresso shots weren't enough. I became immune. Totally. <laughs> and, yeah. And so, again, just, just taking that leap of faith, um, I just put it out there that I wanted to sell the place. And uh, two folks came by and, and decided they wanted to to buy the coffee house. And, uh, you know, a lot happened there, too, that gave me a great sense of failure. And uh, I thought we'd talk about that a little later in the show, too, because I learned so much from my experience as um, an entrepreneur and, and moving into coaching that I really could have labeled as failure, and yet I didn't. And, uh, and so that kind of took me into coaching. Well, that in that I hired a business coach when I owned the coffee house, and Steve came into my life through word of mouth and... Um, even though we didn't get the coffee house to where I wanted it to be, mostly because of my own burnout, um, I considered that such a critical relationship in my life. And I think the biggest piece of it was that initial aha when after all those years of struggle and making these huge decisions that affected so many people and and looking at my money just go away between the market and the coffee house and everything just I mean we're looking at like a million dollars and just kind of fizzling away and um, and finally thinking wow I'm not alone anymore that was my biggest just deep breath aha moment I have someone who's vested my success. His success is based on my success. And it just felt so good. Yeah, to have somebody in it with you. It's, it can be such a lonely proposition owning a business. So yeah, I, I think that's one of the reasons when we, you know, we kind of feel like we're a purple squirrel, you know, we're unique, we're different. And then we meet somebody like you and I talking, it's like, I'm a purple squirrel. You're a purple squirrel. We could be purple squirrels. Yay! You know, it's the, um, it's the trap of uniqueness. You know, it's like, I gotta be unique. I gotta be different, but I need other people. Right. So I want to go back to what you said about failure, because this is a, always a strong theme here on the show is uh, kind of transforming failure for people. And I know you re- you wrote a, a really fabulous article for Inc. Magazine um, on failure. And um, you're just talking about what a lot of people would have considered a failure, which is, you know, you decided to, you know, 
move on from consulting and you decided to move on from the the coffee house and then you ended up in coaching. So, you know, how did you frame or how did you work with these failures to to shift it for yourself? Yeah. And you know, initially when you're in the throes of failure, it just doesn't feel good, right? And and it's it's frightening and and it you can feel defeated. And for me, the trick to that, to turn it around, is to do just that, is to start looking inside of that failure and for, for what is positive. And quite honestly, I learned that a number of years ago when my husband passed away. Not that that's failure, but it was, it was deep, intense grief and, and recovery was difficult. And so it was when I started writing in a gratitude journal and it sounds kind of like wow you know your husband passes away and you're writing about gratitude but I'll tell you what and and I didn't do it for about a year a year after he passed away but I'll tell you what recognizing the gratitude in my life um for what I was grateful for really helped me to to realize that I was healing and that there was another side of this enormous loss that was actually beautiful and wonderful and and um, things were going on in my life that i was I was very much embracing and and wouldn't have um, had this tragic loss not occurred. So it doesn't diminish the loss. It doesn't diminish the failure if you want to perceive something that is going on in your life as a failure. However, it puts a new spin on it. And, and as I said in that article that I just wrote that you're referring to, Tina, assuming that failing is the opposite of success is way wrong. You don't want to do that. Every time you fail, you learn something. And each time you fail, you gain more experience. And each time you fail, you come away with more tools that you can use to be successful. And so, so that's what I did with, with the coffee houses. I looked inside of it and I said, okay, what have I learned? Well, as it turns out, I met, I met my coach, which then, you know, launched a new career for me. And I, I, I learned about what it takes to run a brick and mortar business and I learned about business. My gosh, I learned about being an entrepreneur and that all of that laid the foundation for me to become an outstanding coach. I promise you, if I could find opportunities, you know, after the, the tragic loss of my husband and father yes. of my two small children, you could find opportunities anywhere. Yeah, that really creates a, a pretty big context for if you can make it through that, then that's mm-hmm. a lot of resilience building right, right mm-hmm. there. And, uh, you know, on the backstage pass portion of our of our show, you and I are going to dig in some more about how to deal with perceived failure. And I'm really looking forward to that conversation along with some other um, of your fabulous coaching. Uh, But before we get to that, I also wanted to let people know that um, we're going to have links to um, Marla's articles page on Inc.com. You can go to Inc.com and search for her. You can also go back to the show notes at the startsomethingshow.com or write in the show notes on iTunes and Stitcher. And you can find the link to get to Marla's articles there because she's written a lot of amazing articles for Inc. Magazine that I highly recommend that you go and read. It's a a great resource. You are a phenomenal resource, my dear. Yeah, really, really. So now let's talk about, you know, developing a coaching practice, because um, a lot of coaches coach coaches. And I know you and I have some of that in our practice, but not the majority of, of really what we do, which is something I always, you know, respect about you as well, because there's something just kind of like, 
weird about that. I think if you yeah. only focus on coaching one industry as a business coach, um, it's it's got a little of that flavor of I'm going to teach you how to make a million dollars writing books by selling you this book. Right. You know, exactly. it's got a little bit I of that agree. going on. So. It's easy to create a success story when the people you're teaching to create the success story are creating your success story for you. Yeah, <laughs> it's, a, it's that weird endless loop thing going on yeah. there. So, yeah. but, you know, some of uh, your clients kind of, you know, range across the board. Um, and now how, how did your, how did you find your place in the coaching industry? Because, you know, finding a niche is something we talk about a lot. So how did you kind of settle into this place that you have now? Yeah, yeah, that's a great question. And uh, I, I talked in the, the first part of the show, I talked about that faith thing and that just knowing and, and giving up the resistance because I have to admit, you know, going in, I struggled with an H and I was scared to death. And uh, like I think most coaches who, who finally, you know, do their studies and, and what have you and, and hang their shingle, um, I was afraid. I was afraid. And, and so it was when I gave out that resistance and I just put it out there and said, look, I, you know, here's what I love. Here's who I love working with. And then it came to me. Uh, what happened is an opportunity came to me to coach for an organization called Count Me In for Women's Economic Independence. And it was a wonderful, um, nonprofit organization who helped female entrepreneurs reach the million dollar mark. And, and so that was my client base, largely my client base. And I loved it. And, and then it fell, it, I fell even deeper into the niche when I began to realize that for all of my training and all of my experience, these women who were coming into my practice were brilliant. And frankly, most of them knew how to grow their business, but they were in their own way. And so, I mean, I wasn't coaching for three months before I, I just felt desperate to find something beyond my skills as a coach that could really, really help them get out of their own way and, and change their mindset and develop a healthier mindset about themselves, their, their self-confidence, their their value, everything. And so with that, when I put that out into the universe within one week, um, the emotional freedom techniques, people also know it as EFT tapping, fell into my lap from three different and separate resources. It's a great body of work. Phenomenal body of work. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so I was very fortunate because I looked into it and Gary Craig, the man who developed the process, was um, was conducting a uh, week-long workshop, training sh- workshop in Colorado. And, and the next week I hopped on a plane and I began my training. And um, <laughs> looking back at it, it was rather remarkable because I came back from that training and I got a new client who um, had a business. She was at 130 in annual revenues and, and taking home a whopping $34,000 a, mm-hmm. a That's year. That's a common story. Yep. Yeah, right, right. And and she had a PhD. She was so well-versed and, you know, she's known in her industry, what have you. Um, and 
and what we found through coaching was that she had a vision beyond the vision, as I call it. And that was that she had told herself that when she reaches a million dollars, that was her, like her success marker. And uh, she was going to go out there and teach other minorities and women entrepreneurs how to do it. And she didn't believe in herself. She didn't believe she had enough value to do that. And so I got to put EFT to work right away. As soon, I mean, this was days after my That's return. Perfect. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, could you give our listeners just a, a real quick snapshot of what EFT is for those who aren't familiar with it? Because it's good, it's good juju. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So as we grow up, um, we uh, we develop a paradigm, and it's based on our life experiences. And unfortunately, we tend to hang on to the negative experiences far uh, more than we do the wonderful and uplifting experiences. So growing up, when your parent uh, once or twice might might question your value or throw your value back at you or tell you that you're never going to amount to something or anything, um, those are the things that become very deeply ingrained in our psyche and they actually become embedded in us in these neural pathways that are created if we if we experience enough of that type of thing and uh, and so you know when people don't when they have a lot of doubt they have a lot of fear they question their own self-value or or they respond to things in a way that they don't understand in a negative you know like they have a strong physiological response it's an indicator that we have these past experiences and we all do that that are causing us disharmony and disrupt our ability to move forward in whatever we want to move forward to well EFT and it's it's so fascinating because we have all these scientific studies now just in the in the recent few years that that shows this happening what EFT does what you do is you focus in on those negative events and those negative belief systems it's an energy psychology and it is the only energy psychology that focuses on the negative which is uncomfortable at first but while you're focusing in and talking about those negative experiences and beliefs you're actually tapping physically tapping on meridian endpoints like you use an acupuncture on your face and that tapping disrupts the negative flow of energy and actually I like to use the visual that it blows up that bridge that that neural pathway that was creating this loop this endless loop that you're in this negative loop and therefore it makes room for um, the positive and so what people tell me and what I've experienced is when you look at a negative experience it's like it's like draw, drawing a um, curtain across it that is nearly opaque but not opaque. And so you can see that it happened. You know that it happened. It's still there. But you connect no longer any any deep emotional intensity to it. And, and there is no longer a physiological, negative physiological response to it. And so that's why it's called about. emotional freedom technique. Because yes. you know, you're free from that set of emotions or that set of attachments yes. to those, those memories and those neural pathways. Mm -hmm. And, oh, I love a fellow brain nerd so much. <laughs> Me too. It's so much. So fun. I could talk about this stuff forever. Exactly. And exactly. you know, Tina, in the case of the entrepreneur that I mentioned that I did EFT on, the first person I did EFT with, um, she went on to break the million dollar mark in six months and within seven years um, was up to 45 million. Holy crap. Mm -hmm. That's some serious numbers right there. That's very cool. 
Yeah, that's very cool. And I think that says a lot too. you know, so many times, um, business owners, entrepreneurs, especially online entrepreneurs are encouraged to buy, 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 buy all of these systems and magic bullets and all of that. And really, yes, some of those things can be really helpful. Yes, we need tools. Yes, we need technology to a certain extent. But man, it really comes down to our guts being in alignment. Mm-hmm. And, and getting out of our own way and getting freed up. It really, really does. Really, really yeah. does. So, um, Marla, I know we're going to talk more about uh, this and also transforming our relationship to failure on the backstage pass uh, of the show today. Um, but before we finish up here, I, I did have a couple more questions I wanted to cover with you. And one was, knowing what you know now, but imagining that maybe, um, you know, you didn't have you had to start over again and you didn't have all the resources that, uh, that you've built, but you had all your knowledge, you know, what are some steps that you would take to start something today fresh? Mm, To start something today. Um, Well, one of the, the psychological advantages that I would give myself is, is again, to just believe in myself um, and to believe in my ability to carry forward whatever it is that, that I want to start. And to give up that that horrible resistance that that I did have um, going on, and then I think it's important if uh, if you're launching a business and just launching a business, to to really do your research first, and to don't fall in love with your idea because you and the people you've asked, who are family and friends, who have to say it's a great idea, um, to don't fall in love with it for that reason, but to go out and ask your potential customers and uh, and and find out all about what they think and what they're looking for because what you're looking for and what they're looking for could be very two very very different things and then I always tell my entrepreneurs who are launching something that um, has to do with a full-blown service like coaches um, launching programs or a product like maybe a cosmetic line to roll it out one step at a time because that is your that is your test that is your research right there and um, so, for instance, when I write a new program, uh, like I have coming up in the fall, I have my e-school program to help uh, help people, solopreneurs, learn to be entrepreneurs. You know what? I'm going to reveal a secret here. Only the first chapter of that program is written, okay? Oh, yes. That's yeah. the way to do it. Yeah. So roll it out slowly and and work on it as you build it, and then you'll have it forever. But uh, one mistake people make is to just throw all of their resources into what they're doing and put so much time and years into building it. And then they roll it out only to find out that it's 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 not going to go. Exactly. I, I have to admit, I've made that mistake early on myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but we call that, but uh, to do it, what you're doing and uh, what most entrepreneur, successful entrepreneurs do, we call that building the plane on the way down. Yeah, there you go. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And uh, and that way we can be responsive to what people really need. Yeah. Yeah. Got to, it's the way of serving people best. So that's the good thing. Marla, thank you so much for being on the show today. I'm really looking forward to continuing our conversation on the, the Backstage Pass portion of the show on the startsomethingshow.com. So thank you so much. Well, you're welcome, Tina. I mean, I'm just having so much fun. Me too. Me too. <laughs> and Superstarters, you can find all the links for today's show on Marla's show page at thestartsomethingshow.com and also connect with her. Check out her stuff. Check out her articles on Inc.com. And also, you can go to MarlaTabaka.com, M-A-R-L-A. 
T-A-B-A-K-A.com. Again, the links are on the show notes, so don't worry about spelling it. We got it covered for you. And uh, connect with her uh, in um, her articles or a one-on-one consultation, especially if you've hit that kind of glass ceiling in your business and you're not sure how to break out of that box. She is a fabulous resource to work with. We will see you next week on the Start Something Show and check out the backstage pass interviews at the Start Something Show. We'll see you next week. Start something with purpose. Start something with freedom. Start something now. Go to thestartsomethingshow.com, join our community of super starters, and get your perfect day planner pack, a free resource to help you create the life you've dreamed of living. Take action now, and we'll see you for our next exciting episode.